Welcome to the Running Hurt Podcast, where we explore the psychological side of injury in college, track, and field. I'm your host, Matthew Peacock. On the show today, students, stories from three student athletes on the mental side of their injuries. Take a listen. So, we start today's episode with Connor Montgomery, a distance runner and recent graduate of Middlebury College in Vermont. Connor had a pretty rough time with injury, and it started before his freshman year of college. So, I mean, the summer before my freshman year, I was like really excited about being on the team, and um, I was training really hard over the summer. I, I was still living in uh, California at this point, and um, like a couple weeks before school started, I kind of got this weird like tightness in um, my my left quad. Um, I was like, that's weird, but it's like probably nothing. I'd like never had any like major injuries um, until that point. And it kind of just kept getting worse and worse. And by the time I like got to school for our preseason practices, I could like barely run. It was like really, really hurting. And the trainers like couldn't really figure out what it was. Um, and I was like, you know, pretty frustrated because it's, it was tough to come in as like a freshman and like already um, be injured. Um, and eventually I got diagnosed with a femoral stress fracture um, in my left femur. And so I was going to be out for the entire, um, cross country season of my freshman year, which was like a huge bummer. Connor took time off and then he started running a few months later. And to his surprise, he was in great shape. He started running more and more, but when he went home from winter break, something wasn't right. All of a sudden on this one run, I got the same like feeling of tightness in my right quad. And I was like, oh man, you know, I, I totally know what this is. I, I don't know how it's possible, but this is definitely another uh, femoral stress, at least reaction. But he goes back to school, talks to his coach and athletic trainers, and they say, there's no way that's possible. It's like, it's rare enough to get a femoral stress fracture in one leg because it's just like this big, thick bone. It, it just doesn't usually get stress fractures. There's no way you would have gotten it in both. And I went to the, the like sports med doctor and he said the same thing. He was like, there's no way. So Connor keeps running on it, but the pain in his right quad gets worse and worse. And he thinks this is definitely, this is definitely like, uh, th- this is definitely something. And so we got it imaged and like, sure enough, it was another femoral stress fracture in my right quad this time. Connor had to sit out his entire freshman year, but eventually he recovers and starts to train for his sophomore cross country season. And health-wise, things were going pretty well. His body seemed to be holding up. But in August, he goes out on this fast seven-mile run. So I go out really hard, and it's going well. I get to, like, five miles, and, like, I start to, like, feel, like, something in my foot. Um, and it was, like, pretty sharp. And I was, like, at this point, any time I had any sort of sharp pain, I was, like, it's definitely a stress fracture because I've only ever had stress fracture. Like, I've never had, like, a pulled muscle or, like, tendonitis it's always either nothing or a stress fracture so um so yeah sure enough I then got a stress fracture in my fourth like metatarsal on my left foot right before my um uh sophomore year and at that point I was also they they were like okay you know something's something's wrong here so I got a bone density scan and um it turned out I had low 
bone density, um, mm-hmm. which was probably like part of the reason why I was getting all these stress fractures. So Connor receives this diagnosis for low bone density, and it makes sense to him why he had so many stress fractures. He recovers fairly quickly and even gets to compete his sophomore year. But he's not satisfied with his performances. So that summer, he set some big goals for himself. The summer before my junior year, um, this, yeah, this feels ridiculous now to think about. But I was like, okay, I'm just going to have like an awesome season. Like I'm going to get back on track. I'm going to train like really hard over the summer um, and like have a really good cross country season. And of course, that ended with a, with another stress fracture. So right before my junior junior year, I got a stress fracture in my right like fibula, so on like the outside of my right leg. And I think that was really the first injury where I was really upset. So Connor had gotten four stress fractures in two years, but it's this one, the fourth one, when he reaches the breaking point, and. This is when things get really interesting. I was just like really tired of, of getting injured. And I was, I was pretty embarrassed too, because I was like, I'm sure everyone just thinks like, I'm just like a fool that like can't figure out how to train without getting injured. Um, and like, I got into an argument with my coach about like my mileage because we had, we had talked about like doing slightly higher mileage. That's like the spring of my sophomore year. And then when I, when I got the stress fracture, she was like, why were you running that high mileage? I was like, well, I thought we talked about that. So that was like kind of a miscommunication there. And so that was really, yeah, my junior fall when I was, when I had that stress fracture, I was like very close to just like quitting and like, and calling it. So what's really interesting is after this fourth stress fracture, Connor is really paranoid about what people think of him. One of the first things he does is he makes his Strava account private. So Strava is an app where people share their runs online. We would all post our runs on Strava. And I just remember like right when I got diagnosed with that stress fracture, I immediately like just went and made like everything private. It was like, I don't want people like looking back and being like, oh, he shouldn't have like done this long run here. And like, you know, that's why he's he has a stress fracture now. Connor was really mad, and he even believed that people thought he intentionally injured himself. I think, I think part of it was, like, I wonder if, like, anyone thinks that I, like, intentionally, like, mm. tried to get hurt. Because, like, like I, I will say, like, my freshman year, I definitely, like, in, like there, there were parts of being injured, like I said earlier, that I enjoyed. Like, I enjoyed, like, not having the pressure. Um, I enjoyed, like, being able to do things like like fun things during the day on like Saturday instead of like going for a meet going to a meet all day and so I kind of like had this idea in my head that like some people were going to be like oh he like intentionally like ran too much to see like if he if he would get hurt and then could like you know chill again and miss the season and that was like so like frustrating to me because it was like just so the opposite so At the time, Connor thought the sympathy his teammates had for him during his first three stress fractures must have run out when he got his fourth. My freshman year, I was like, okay, like this was like an honest mistake. Like I didn't know my limits because like I had never had an injury, um, like an like an injury like that before. So so like I, I you know this was just in my head. I was like, you can't blame me for the first one because I just like didn't know. And then after the second one, I like that was after I got diagnosed with, with the low bone density. So I was like, you couldn't really like, Mm -hmm. 
you know, that's not my fault either. Um, but yeah, then I remember that, that, um, that last one, I was just like, you know, all I had to do was like run less and like things would have been fine. And I knew that, but like, I kind of decided to like push, push it anyway. Um, cause I just, I just like, for some reason just didn't think anything was going to go wrong. And so I think that's where, you know, that was kind of the narrative in my head that I had where I kind of figured, you know, the sympathy has got to be over now. Cause it's like, it's like, you know, fool me once, like shame on you, fool me twice, shame on me sort of thing. It's like, I should have known, like I had all these like past lessons just like right there, but I still like made the same mistake. We'll return to Connor later in the show. But first, ideas about mental health and injury. Can you hear me? I can hear you. Can you hear me? Uh, I can hear you. That's Chris Avila, a senior at Williams College. And when I interviewed him, he was driving from Delaware to North Carolina. Well, eventually he was. How's the drive so far? It started out horribly. Uh, It started out with, I didn't put the directions in my phone. And I was listening to a really good podcast, so I wasn't paying attention. And I and I started driving for an hour in the wrong direction. <laughs> it was I like usually I'm much more competent than that. Uh, it was horrible. So Chris's story starts his sophomore fall, and coming into that year, Chris had just completed a huge summer of training, and was in great shape for the upcoming cross country season. And so for the first month, he's at the front of the pack for Williams cross country. Then he gets this lower back pain, and it affects him in a pretty big way. Sophomore fall, cross country came in in pretty stellar shape. Um, and then kind of unfortunately throughout the year, just slowly uh, due to some lower back issues, which these lower back issues are where the, probably the injury is on which they'll focus on for this interview. Um, just slowly but surely over the course of the month of October, went from being the number four, number five guy on the team to being like a number 15, number 16 guy on the team. Uh, you know, in, in, in the most uh, painful and unpleasant way possible, it's just these, you know, nearly crippling lower back issues. When his sophomore cross-country season ends, Chris recovers and he starts to train again. But when his junior year rolls around, the lower back pain returns. And then my, my junior year fall, had, had a very similar low back issue, came in in incredible shape, uh, even better shape than the year before, but on a team that was even faster. So I was around seventh, eighth guy on the team. Um, and then by the end of, by the end of the cross season, it was more like 15th guy again, same sort of low back issues. And, and, and we'll talk through that, but you know, kind of duplicate events uh, year to year in terms of injury, which was very frustrating. But when I asked Chris about these lower back issues, his response surprised me. So the reason, the reason why I wanted to focus on this low back injury that I've had um, two, two, two cross-country seasons in a row is that I think, I think it brings out an interesting theme that I haven't thought about too much with regard to injury in our sport uh, until, it, until it happened to me. So I think mm, something okay. that you know, like doesn't get as doesn't get enough discussion um, 
but, but certainly has talked about a good amount is how injury can cause mental health problems. And, and, and I imagine that this is, you know, much of what this show is about. But, but the story of this low back injury, I, I want to bring up because it was, it was the reverse causality. It, like it wasn't, it wasn't injury causing mental health problems. This was mental health problems causing injury. And so Chris believes that mental health issues caused his lower back problems because his sophomore and junior years were two of the most stressful periods of his life. And they took a pretty big toll on him. That stress and my inability to handle it well um, while training at absolute full capacity took my body, which was in, at, at the beginning of both of those seasons of running, in the best shape of his life, and in a matter of weeks, uh, it sort of brought it to a breaking point where sitting, sleeping, running was acutely painful, um, and and there didn't and it, there didn't seem to be much that I could do to work on this. I mean, sort of like you know, I I never got a chronic pain diagnosis, but um, that's definitely definitely the closest thing that I've had to to chronic pain. During his sophomore year, Chris found two things at the root of his stress. I would point to probably two things that were challenging at that point in my life. Uh, one was that my my girlfriend was um, away and out of the country for that for that whole semester. Um, she, you know, is absolutely a rock in my life. Somebody who supports me wonderfully um, and brings me a lot of joy. And it was and it was really hard to not see her for months on end and to you know have talking to each other be difficult because of time zones. She was um, studying abroad and living uh, in Lyon, France, while I was in Williamstown. So, so, so that was challenging and, and something that we hadn't gone through in our relationship before uh, and, and was trying, for sure. Uh, and the second thing is that I kind of, you know, squeaked by my first year at Williams, you know, doing decently classes, doing decently with running, but not doing anything particularly well and not really arriving at a sense of why I was there, why I was in college at all, um, and, and those, those kind of big why questions um, I felt like I was grappling with in a big way in my uh, sophomore fall, but, but not, you know, not always in the healthiest way, like often in a very intense way uh, that was, you know, like almost perspiring, um, straining to find the why of, you know, being at Williams and, 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 and the, the why of my life. But it's during his junior fall when he faces the biggest challenge of his life. Yeah, so I think co- coming into my junior year, I had a, I had a sense of, of what was causing, uh, you know, of what had caused the, the back injury the fall before, which was, you know, poor, poor mental health, poor mental hygiene, um, and, and had really resolved to, you know, get get more and more regular sleep, um, you know, meet regularly with a therapist, um, you know, work on building in time into my schedule for things that I enjoyed that weren't, you know, just going to practice and going to the library. Um, and, and I was doing well with those things for a while. Um, but, you know, life life is not always totally in your control. Um, and, you know, this past fall, uh, fall of my junior year, 
it was probably the hardest hardest time of my life. Uh, my my dad uh, had been struggling with mental health problems for a long time throughout much of my childhood uh, and, and even before that. Uh, and and he took his own life uh, mid October of my junior year. Um, and like <laughs> I would be I would be a monster to have that not derail my life, which of course it did. And, and it would have been derailed far more if not for, you know, the love and support of my family, of my friends at Williams, people back home in Wilmington, Delaware. Um, and, yeah, it was like, you know, I was doing everything that I could for myself. Everybody that I knew was doing everything for me. It was just the sort of stress of that time just, like, really, really just set my back, <laughs> like, you know, just over an edge that, you know, I was, I was away uh, from campus for several weeks, came back, still had a spot on the NESCAC team, and, and ran as best as I could. Uh, but, it you know, it was obviously nowhere close to where I'd been at a few weeks, uh, you know, a few weeks prior. Um, and, and, and not because I hadn't been running, right? You know, during, during the, the week after my dad died, two weeks, three weeks, running was my main outlet, and I was running hard. It was, it was the thing that I, I did for uh, to get out of my own head and to be with people who I loved. Um, so I was I was training, but it was just the, the back and just I just absolutely lost control over it. Um, you know, as I lost control of you know several elements of my life, and that's just kind of how life goes sometimes. But once both Chris's sophomore and junior cross country seasons ended, his lower back pain just disappeared. And Chris credits this to confronting the mental issues he was wrestling with at the time. But but I think when I really understood what it was 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 when it went away, um, and, and, and the process of, of of it going away after you know like it, it went away over winter break of my sophomore year, um, not because I was you know doing far better with you know, stretching or whatever. I mean, I, you know, was still making a solid effort with PT stuff, but I don't think that it was due to any breakthrough there. I think it was, you know, mainly due to getting more sleep and talking through some of these things that had just been on my mind in a big way uh, with people who I love and trust. Um, and, and feeling feeling that tightness go away, feeling, you know, just my spine literally, you know, stand straight and tall like it was meant to um, kind of, so Chris's story raises an interesting question about the connection between mental health and injury. And it turns out there are similarities in how we cope with both. I think probably the, the biggest similarity that's come to mind relating um, stigma of mental and physical health at, at Williams, in my experience, is, is sort of the concept of denial. I think that, I think that people have denial about you know, mental health physical health challenges um in our sport um you know like <laughs> like you know somebody who's who's been telling you for two weeks that their knee just does not feel right uh you suggest that they should go to the trainer oh no i'm not i'm not injured you know i it just my knee hurts for two weeks and it doesn't feel right i'm not injured <laughs> uh, you know or uh somebody is telling you that they've been down for you know you know down emotionally for you know, two weeks and they just don't know what's up. They sleeping all the time. They, uh, you know, have no appetite. They don't want to go to class. 
Um, oh no, I'm not. I'm not mentally ill. What are you talking? I shouldn't. I, I shouldn't see a therapist. I'm just. I don't know. I'm just tired. Like. So I think there's. I think there's. You know, kind of parallel denial there. That. Mm. That can exist mm-hmm. and is only natural. Um, is only a natural human reaction, and and the best that we can do to deal with that is just kind of to have customs of um, of openness around mm. around those struggles, so that, that denial doesn't have to last for any longer um, than it has to, and, and for people to not stay in denial when when they should really be in treatment. And there's even a link between mental and physical health that we can see. Think about stress. You know, like of course. Injury can cause mental health struggles, but also, and, and, and my point being that mental health struggles can cause injury, is that, uh, you know, it, if there's somebody who's, like, dealing with mental health problems, like, like you, can, you can see it physically in them, you know, their, uh, their, their brain chemistry is different, they're, you know, they, they lose their hair due to stress or, you know, whatever sort of physical response, like, imagine what is happening internally. Know, your muscles around your spine clench, clench up, at least for me, um, or, you know, uh, you know, like protein is being used in a different way at a cellular level. Um, and, and, yeah, those, those impacts on the body from the mind are, are real. And, and, and thinking about causality, not just body-mind, but also mind-body, um, I think is really important for our sport um, for, for long-term health. And now back to Chris, because after all of the stress he experienced, he changed. Running used to be, before, before these mental health struggles and their relation to running and you know, some of these challenges that I've had in my life, running used to be something that would stress me out. You know, I'd be really worried about my performance. I'd get really nervous on the start line, you know, couldn't sleep going into races, stuff like that. <laughs> that, is, that is a thing of the past. Running, racing included now just brings pure joy to me um it is something that yeah that i really thoroughly enjoy and 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 i put that experience of joy first and foremost above all else uh, in the sport um and i don't think that makes me slower i think that makes me faster um i've had some really some really good racing and really good training after starting to think that way that was chris avila a senior at williams college So what Chris was talking about, the connection between the mind and injury, my next guest actually studies. My name is Carmen Vango. I I went, I just graduated from Williams College. And at Williams, I was a cross-country runner and a Nordic skier on the ski team. Now, Carmen studies pain at the cellular level. I'm a neuroscience student and um, I'm doing neuroscience research next year. Um, And in a pain research lab (laughs) Um, and I became really interested in pain kind of that year, um, sophomore year, while grappling with my own pain. So that pain she's referring to is her hip and she started to feel it her freshman year of college. Freshman year actually I was in my last race running the steeplechase. I ran the steeplechase in track um, so it was a spring and I fell over a barrier. Um, It wasn't the water barrier, it was one of the normal barriers, but essentially it was a race that I was trying to qualify for nationals in, and halfway through the race I fell, and um, I fell in a way where my back leg like stayed on the barrier and my front leg kept going, so I ended up doing like kind of the splits um, in a terrible way on the track. 
And I got back up and you could hear like everyone, I think the announcer even was like, oh my God, that did not look good. But I got back up and I kept running um, and I qualified for nationals in that race for in the steeplechase. Um, and then I stopped running and I was like, wow, something's wrong. After that race, Carmen started to get hip pain and it didn't go away for months. When she got back to Williams her sophomore year, it took a big toll on her mental health. From the moment I got back to Williams, I would say my mental health was like already kind of <laughs> um, not doing so well. And that really appeared through um, my sleeping and having pretty severe insomnia that was bad and got really worse um, that spring. So that spring, I decided not to do track. And after like still competing in Nordic skiing with hip pain, um, I realized I really wanted to give my hip like a full rest. And so I didn't, um, I didn't run, I didn't ski. Um, I would go swimming sometimes, but, um, and I just like really started having trouble sleeping. And the sleep she's talking about, it was really bad. Yeah, I was probably, um, just sleeping like I don't know I would sleep like two hours every night like it was so bad and it didn't stop there the mental health struggles associated with her hip pain and the lack of sleep fed into other things too I think also when you're like just trying to get through the next day you're just you don't find you don't make the time to help yourself right because you're like oh I'm just trying to get through the next day like I don't have time so like go to a therapist or <laughs> like, and that's such a bad cycle because maybe that could help a lot. Um, and I did start seeing a therapist at the end of the year, but like at that point I was just like trying to get through finals and. But that sophomore year in pain, it did something for Carmen. Then she started to study chronic pain herself. And when we started to go deeper into a discussion about chronic pain, things got really interesting. What happened with me is that um, after I injured my hip, I started seeing doctors who told me you have a labral tear, which is a tear in the cartilage of your hip. Um, and you know, the cartilage protects the hip joint. So um, that can create a lot of pain and a whole host of problems. Um, what I also learned is that if you take an, an MRI of like 50 people's hips, um, a lot of them will have labral tears, but not a lot, not all of those tears are representative of hip pain. This is pretty cool. So what she means is that if you take everyone who has a labral tear in their hip, of those people, not everyone will have hip pain. But right now you're probably thinking, hang on, injuries should exhibit pain, right? Well, this is when things get really weird. Once I was told what my injury was and that I, in this case, it was, um, I most likely, I was recommended surgery like many times. And um, from that, I think I just developed so much fear about this injury because the surgery prognosis isn't very good for this type of injury. Um, that like that fear started becoming so associated with pain and really connected to pain. So with chronic pain, a lot of it is um, your body sending these danger sing signals um, throughout your whole body. And pain really is this warning signal, right? So um, 
pain is a perception. It's like it's processed in the brain, um, but it gets input from your nervous system and it gets input from things like potential tissue damage or tissue damage in your body. But it's not always representative of tissue damage itself. Um, So a good example is that uh, there's this story that I've heard about this guy who he's a construction worker and he was working and he um, got he stepped on a nail and the nail went through his boot up his foot and he was in terrible pain and he um, called an emergency or he well so basically they got you know a a emergency vehicle and driven to the hospital and um then they realized that the nail had gone in between his toes and this guy was like in awful plane but the nail hadn't actually punctured his foot so in a way um like because he saw the nail through his foot that perception had contributed to his pain and really created his pain this is crazy so a guy steps on a nail it doesn't even puncture his foot, and he's in horrible pain because he thinks it did. What? But this relationship between pain and what we perceive is important, because returning to Carmen's story, a big factor in her pain was fear. I know now that chronic pain is is really built from a lot of different things in your environment. Um, and so for me, that was definitely like the anxiety I had around my hip injury, the fear I had of like continuing to injure it or moving it, um, and the fear about the future for my hip and getting surgery um, potentially. And there are other things that go into perception too. And for Carmen, focusing on her pain too much, that actually worsened it. What's also hilarious is that um, if I got high, my hip would hurt a lot more, <laughs> which is so funny. Um, and I think that was kind of attributed to like how much I would focus on my hip and just focusing on it, hyper-focusing on it. And they call it like hypervigilance sometimes. But this can also apply to a phrase we hear a lot, listen to your body, which at a certain point can have a negative effect on people's experiences of pain. You know, if you're already in this um, kind of high anxiety state, um, that can make it a lot worse when you're like, oh, like, listen to your body. And you're like, oh, well, I felt this like little twinge. And then the twinge develops into like this aching. And then, you know, it escalates from there um, versus maybe concentrating on other things um, like just moving forward or just, um, you know, like talking to people and if you're running like socializing is such an important part of running but you can't do that if you're like so focused on your body and so for carmen these two factors her fear and hyper focusing on her hip injury she believes is why her pain persisted for months i think there's a lot of things going on to my hip injury and some of them were actually physical and um you know a a um, injury to the joint Um, and I I do believe that my joint was injured but I believe that a lot of that healed and what persisted was the pain and the pain was built by um, perception and um, kind of a lot of different things um, that isn't always corresponding to the 
you know, the site of injury itself or, or the tissue damage. So you may be thinking, how did Carmen overcome this fear? And the crazy thing is that happened with a near-death experience before her junior year of college. And I got to the summer and I was training um, in Sun Valley, Idaho um, for this Nordic ski training camp thing. Um, and I was living with my best friend and I, um, I experienced really bad abdominal pain one night. And um, I thought it was appendicitis, and I was driven to the hospital. Um, and they basically took a CAT scan and saw that it was not appendicitis, but that my colon had rotated. And so this was really bad. So what happens is if your colon's like a hose, um, if you get a kink in the hose, then your colon's not working. And it's pretty severe and can be um, deadly. Carmen was airlifted from Sun Valley to a hospital in Boise, Idaho, and there she had to face the possibility of dying. When I was in the hospital, um, I was afraid of dying. Like I literally had, after my second surgery, or going into my second surgery, I had a 50% chance of uh, survival. Um, which is mind-blowing. But what happened with my first surgery is that I had a um, leak where the anastomosis is, which is anastomosis is when they put two, in this case, um, parts of my colon back together. Um, And so this can sometimes happen. It's a pretty bad complication where you begin to go septic because your colon is like leaking into the rest of your system. Um, That was happening to me and that It's what resulted in the second surgery, so... um... But during that time in the hospital, her perspective on pain changed. Looking at how those, like, your colon experience and your hip injury connected, do you feel like that experience of you having, like, the possibility of dying and not being able to walk, do you feel like that enabled you to like let go of a lot of those fears that you had for your hip? And and yeah, you mentioned like perspective, like did did that just kind of like allow those things to say, you to say, oh, like these fears like aren't scary after all. Totally. That was, that was a really good way of kind of explaining what I did experience. I really felt like after a month in the hospital like getting out I was like walking on walking on cloud nine because I was (laughs) just out and um and I was able to really feel grateful for being healthy and or I mean at that point I was still recovering but like I knew that I had the chance to be fully healthy again and um and I felt so grateful for like all the love and support I got in the hospital, um, which is really amazing and helped me so much. And um, yeah, so I think that experience did really like, you know, while that whole year with my hip injury, I was like, oh, like I just want to run fast. Like I want to, you know, have PRs and like I want to do all these things um, with my body again and, you know, Um, I had all these skiing goals as well, but after like getting hospitalized and, um, you know, having 
very close to not ever being able to do anything like that again. Um, you know, the fact that I was have been able to is just like astounding. And sometimes I forget that. And sometimes I still like, you know, feel um, like I'm not doing well enough. And um, then I kind of like try to remind myself that like, wait a second, your body has done so much for you and has really, you know, you're a survivor and like you survived this near death experience. So what more can you ask? Like you just have to be, yeah. What more can you ask? Because not some people don't have that. That was Carmen Bango, and she just graduated from Williams College this past June. Next year, she will be doing clinical neuroscience research in pain. So, I want to return to our first story, Connor. When we left off, he was diagnosed with his fourth stress fracture, and was in a pretty dark place. I like, you know, it, he, so I missed that entire cross country season. So pretty much at this point, I'd gotten a stress fracture, like before every single, right before every single cross country season. But then something finally clicked. That time it like finally sunk in. I was like, okay, I have to run less mileage. So I like really cut down my mileage. Um, and it also helped because I like moved down in distance and track. Um, so I didn't like feel like I had to run as much mileage. I was like, I can get away with running like 40 miles a week and still like running a good like 1500 and it actually worked and so my junior year I actually had a really good like outdoor or, or indoor and outdoor track season I mean like it wasn't it wasn't like anything like record-breaking but um it was like I, I PR'd for like the first time in college and a couple events then Connor reached the summer before his senior year and I should remind you that the previous three summers had all ended in stress fractures but this time was different. Going into that summer before my senior year, I really like learned, I think, like my limits in terms of mileage, in terms of training. Um, and so I really like reined it in that, um, that summer before my senior year. For the first time in college, he had an injury-free cross-country season, and it went really well. He ended up being a top contributor on the men's team. And I ended up like having a really good um, senior cross country season, which is really like, it was really my only cross country season. Um, and yeah, it went really well. Like I was like, um, I scored for us in like most of our, most of our uh, meets. And it was like, um, yeah, it was really satisfying. Cause I was like, you know, I knew I could have done this the whole time. And like, finally just everything just like came together. But throughout our interview, Connor mentioned how badly he wanted to be a top runner for the Middlebury team. And when I asked him about what it was like when he actually achieved that goal, his answers surprised me. But I do remember thinking during the season that my, my stress level was like so high because I, I was in shape and like healthy for like the first time ever. And I just remember just wanting nothing to go wrong. And so I was like, very on edge about getting sick or like not getting enough sleep or um yeah just like like i i would i wouldn't run on trails because like i didn't want to twist my ankle 
on like a trail. So I would only run on like even grounds. Um, and so definitely by the end of the season, I was, I was kind of like relieved that, that it was over just because it was so stressful, um, kind of the whole time to make sure that like everything went smoothly. Cause I was like, you know, this is my one shot. I gotta make sure it goes perfectly. And I think in hindsight, I wish I'd kind of just enjoyed, enjoyed it a little more instead of being so like on edge. And it actually, it actually kind of, it took me a while to like mentally get back, get back in the right mindset after cross country season was over. Cause I was like, I put so much mental energy into like making sure that I like stayed healthy that like, I, I remember like trying to start training for indoor track and I was like, I, I don't even know if I like want to do this because like, I don't really want to get back into that, like into that same mindset again. Like I, I, I like enjoyed like our time off after cross country so much cause it was just so relaxing. Um, and and yeah, I actually, I actually really struggled to, to like re-motivate um, after cross country. And so I, I ended up like indoor track. I, I like, I had like this freak thing where I got like a piece of glass in my foot. So I actually didn't run that much. Um, and I ran like two, like just terrible miles, like so slow. Um, and then of course, like outdoor track was, uh, was canceled. So so it's so yeah it's it's an interesting question because you know I didn't really I was like really happy that things were going well but it wasn't really too enjoy it was more stressful mm-hmm. I would say um and then I could never it was really I just spent like all the mental like motivation I had on that season and then after that it was it was just spent I had like nothing left oh. like I I never got back into the uh into the mindset and even still like I when when we were sent home from school I took like a solid like three months of just like running like occasionally like not that much um so yeah yeah I would say I definitely I definitely did like I do I'm still happy it happens but I definitely it it was it was kind of a a stressful experience in the end what does the future look like for you like your relationship with running in like the next however many years I definitely think that I'm going to get get back into it. It, it. it was funny. It actually kind of reminded me of like that cycle I went through when I would get injured. Like right when I would get injured, I'd be like, okay, you know, I'm done with this. I'm like not doing it again. And then like as time would go on, I would just get more and more motivated again. I actually, for for like the month of May, I tried to like lift instead of running but I was like, I, I just don't like this that much. <laughs> so then I, I, yeah, I'm, I'm running. I'm definitely running now I'm up on the lifting well, then, already. There you go. Now, now, you know, now, you know, Yeah, exactly. I tried it out. It's just not for me. <laughs> that was Connor Montgomery who just graduated from Middlebury college. I want to give a special thanks to Connor, Chris, Carmen, and everyone who I interviewed for this first episode. Before you go, make sure to follow the Running Herd podcast on Spotify and share this episode with your friends. Stay tuned for more episodes in the coming weeks. I'm Matthew Peacock, your host. Thanks for listening.